0: This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Well, one of our favorite guests and friends is here today, Louis Giglio. We're going to talk about a subject that is, it really affects every single one of us. And we're going to talk about fatherhood. And Louis is a great father. He has fathered many, many people on earth in a spiritual way. And many people would say their salvation has come from God saving them through His words and life. So I'm excited for you guys to get to hear this story. <music> on Father's Day, you were able to go on secular media and talk about this. And and why this matters so much in the world right now is there are there's so much craving and desire for a father. We all crave that relationship. And I think for so many they either don't have a good relationship with their father or they don't have a father. And so I know for me, like that really was why I fell in love with God was there was some brokenness in my relationship with my dad and It made me crave, when I understood who God was, it made me crave that relationship with Him. And I remember you talking about this at Passion a few years ago. And was it it 2018? It was before COVID.
1: Yeah, it was uh, one of the ones where we did Dallas and Atlanta, and they were all linked together. Um, And I did this message on opening night in um, Arlington um, at whatever that amphitheater is called there. And, um, you know, it was a crazy night, Jenny, and I talk about it in the book. Um, But I'm sitting at my desk working on this talk and thinking about all these tens of thousands of 18 to 25 year olds who a lot of them are struggling with trusting God and trusting anybody, honestly, and feeling good about themselves in the best and healthiest ways because they had a dad who just chose another family or chose another career, bailed on everybody or, you know, was dysfunctional in his own you know, relationship with his dad and couldn't quite figure it out to be the kind of dad they needed. And I was sitting at my desk. This is the craziest story in Atlanta. I'm going to wrap my talk up. My computer is open. I'm praying through this message one last time. And when I close this thing, I'm packing up, getting on a plane, flying to Dallas, going to the thing, opening the session with this talk. And there are three letters sitting on my desk from my dad's cousin's funeral that I would spoken at a few weeks before. And he's one of the last Giglios. And one of the letters was from his sister, one of them was from his wife. And I just wanted to give them proper space in my heart. So I thought, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna wait till passion's over. I'm gonna come home. I'm gonna read these letters. And I just felt like that little tug of the Holy Spirit. He's like, no, open that one right now. Open this letter. And it's from his wife, and she's reminding me that uh, months ago, uh, maybe years before, he had sent me all this stuff about our family. And I don't know a lot about my family. My dad never talked much about his dad. He never talked about his grandfather. I never met my grandfather, so I'm the third of Louis Floyd Giglio, but I never met the first and never heard my dad talk about his dad ever and so when he sent me all this stuff, I kind of looked at it and put it in a drawer because I'm just, that's not my thing. And she said, and remember that he sent you all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, he did. And it, it it might be in that drawer right there. And for whatever reason, I got up, got it out of the drawer. I'll make this short, opened it all up, started looking through stuff and figured out that my great grandfather, Vito Giglio, who yeah. I've never heard of. is buried 20 minutes from where I'm sitting at my desk in this little tiny cemetery behind a boarded up chapel in the south side of Atlanta. Jenny, under the flight path of the Atlanta airport, (laughs) I have flown over his grave hundreds of times in my life. He lives south of the city near the old Brave Stadium. He died on Valentine's Day at Grady Hospital, which is across the freeway from where I was born, and is buried, the only Giglio, buried in the cemetery because he was divorced and the Catholics wouldn't bury him. So his new wife's family let him be buried in this cemetery. And he's the only Giglio in there. And he's by himself. I don't know where the rest of the family ended (laughs) up. And I look back at the letter. After I got all the stuff out, I'm just like, how is this possible that my great grandfather is buried right there? And she wrote on the bottom, she has obviously no idea that I'm about to speak at passion. She said, Louis, I just wanted to remind you again, because everyone needs a father's Uh, blessing. And I look back at my notes and my notes open up with, I'm sharing this message tonight because everyone needs a father's blessing. And I i remember walking out and you've done this many, many times where you've walked out to speak and you were a lot of times you've walked out to speak going. I hope I got this right. Or at least I have. I'm sure you haven't, but I have a lot. And then a lot of sometimes you walk out and you're like, oh, no, I got this like totally right. right. And that night I walked out and I was like, man, I've never felt more at ease in what God is about to do in my life. And so it's God's trying to say this to us right now, that we need all of us, the approval. We need the love, the presence of a father speaking into our lives. And without it, we are going to crave it in the worst ways all of our lives.
0: Yeah. And... I look at my relationship with God over time and largely I have felt safe with him. And that didn't totally reflect my relationship with my dad. And he and I have reconciled that and he's in such a good place now. But so many people are scared of God. So many people feel like they've disappointed him. And so that is, I, I think you quoted Tozer in here as well, that says the most important thing about us is how we view God. So that viewing of God being disappointed, a disappointed father, is is one of several that you mention in the book. Talk a little bit about just what a tragedy that is and how that can shift for people.
1: Well, you know, the thing is, it's so interesting when you kind of pull the layer back, Jenny, and you kind of understand that this spiritual war that we're in is real. And um, you know the Trinity, which we don't get into today. Um, you have a master's degree in uh, biblical studies from Dallas, so you can unpack the Trinity for us a little later in in the conversation. But the yeah, Trinity right. <laughs> is a is a community of gods who are one God. So we're taught two things in this community: a that community matters to God. You wrote a book about that, and we learn that relationships matter to God because God is. A relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, right there in the very community of God in the Trinity is Father. So, that's how important Father is. And right now, Father is, you know, just getting pushed off to the wayside, it seems like in, in our culture. Father is, you know, the last thing. I think someone said it's the 18th most popular holiday yes, of all I the holidays saw that.
0: in I America. Yeah,
1: It's below, after, you know, some after holidays. After Mother's
0: Day is number two, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and some <laughs> holidays that you've never even heard of are above Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, so fatherhood is not really highly valued right now, but it is central in the very character of God and the nature of God, and it's central in our relationships. Every single one of us has this in common. We have a father. We may not know who he is. We may have never met him. He may be the greatest person in life and the most empowering person in our story, but every one of us has a father, and every one of us needs that father's blessing. So if this is the plan, then what is the enemy going to do? He's just going to put a bullseye on fatherhood And fracture fatherhood, distort it, so that he then can put a, a hurdle in between our relationship with God Himself. Because if I, you know, say to a lot of young people, God is a perfect heavenly father, like, hey, if he's like my dad, I'm not interested. I mean, I've had a lot of people literally say those words to me. Yeah. And so the enemy has really not only injured a lot of us through our broken father relationships he's injured and undermined our opportunity to have the best father relationship in our lives with God.
0: Yeah. And I think that that simple thing is not talked about very often. That's why I was so excited about this book, because this is the most foundational thing to your faith and therefore to life. So how do you go about shifting that view if if it is broken? Because I would say learning something for... A few decades is really hard to undo. It's almost <laughs> it hasn't impossible
1: been to completely, you know, Yeah. dump all of the memories and all the experience and all of what we have sort of t- onboarded into our own lives. And, Part of that is, you know, the negative pattern that we feel like we get over things by saying we'll never be them. And that's another one of the tricks of the enemy. You know, I'll never be like my dad. I'll never drink as much as my dad. I'll never talk to people the way my dad talks to people. And every time I say that, I'm just reminding myself of what I don't want to be and what I don't want to do. And so what we need is a better example in our lives. And fortunately, we have that. Jesus comes into the flesh. And he comes and shows us the way to the Father. In fact, one of his most powerful statements is when, if he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, he came to reveal and to show us the Father. And he teaches us 189 times, Jenny, in the four Gospels alone, Jesus refers to God as Father way more than any other way he refers to God. So he's teaching us in all these critical points of the story and when you pray this is how you pray our maker creator lord right. king sovereign no our father and he does this over and over again so i think the way that you you know begin to move toward that for me and this sounds a little a little like the, the not answer the the answer that you're not expecting but i think it's through your imagination Mm. And I think our imagination can open a door for us to move towards the picture of God that Jesus has showed us. And so I'll say to that person who says, man, I I can't even imagine having a dad like that. My, My dad was so opposite of that. But I would say, but think about it for a minute. Can you imagine if your dad showed up at that last piano recital When you just prayed and prayed and prayed that he'd make it, can you imagine what you would have felt if he'd come through the door? And most people can go, Yeah, I can. Can you imagine what it would have been like if your dad walked into your bedroom, sat down on the end of your bed, and said, You know what? I know this has been a a rough couple of days for you with A, B, and C. I just need you to know that I love you. And I just want you to know that I am here for you. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? And they go, Yeah. I can't imagine that. And so instead of using the catchphrase that we always throw out there, I can't imagine what that would be like. it's like, no, you really can't imagine what that would be like. That's what the imagination is. It allows us to step into the fulfillment of something that actually didn't happen. And so follow the imagination and let it lead you to the Father that Jesus has revealed to you. And that's how you begin to know him, uh, even though you didn't have that maybe modeled for you in the relationship that you had with your earthly dad.
0: I enjoyed reading a little bit about your dad. Tell everybody a little bit about that relationship.
1: Well, my dad, you know, bless his heart. um, My dad got um, disabled late in life because of a brain virus. And when he did, Jenny, it was just a very hard ending. Seven years of disability mentally, emotionally, physically. And my dad spiritually already really wasn't on-fire Jesus follower. He grew up in a Catholic family. My mom was very Baptist. They met. He kind of came to the Baptist church. He didn't really love all the Bible preaching. And so he kind of stopped coming to church after a while. And he wasn't against God, but he wasn't really very, I don't know where he was in his faith and where he was in his relationship with God. So we had that struggle. And now life is just upside down. And he's been through several brain surgeries. And he and I are spending a lot of days in hospital rooms, and Jenny, he tells me one day while we're sitting at Piedmont Hospital, not far from here, he said, no one ever loved me, no one ever wanted me. And I'm not sure that God loves me either. And I don't know if anybody wants me. And you know, I'm 30 something years old and I'm sitting there. I don't know how to respond to this. I don't, I don't even know how to process this. And, you know, I blurt out, I'm sure, but dad, I love you. We love you. Gina loves you. Mom loves you. We 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 love you. God loves you, Dad. But I realized that my dad, and I kind of knew this, but he never talked about it. He was shuffled around when he was a little kid. His parents were having some issues. And so he went to live with those relatives and those relatives, and he got pushed off with those people. And my dad never had a father's blessing on his life. And so given that, he was an incredible dad to my sister and me. But he was um, kind of that passive dad I talk about in the book. He really wasn't taking the reins of our family. He wasn't setting the cadence for our family. He really wasn't, you know, the one that was like moving things along. He was there, but he was a creative genius. He was a designer by nature, a graphic designer. He was an abstract artist uh, at heart, and I have a lot of his art in, in Shelly and I's house. Um He created the Chick-fil-A logo in 1964 as a freelance job sitting on the sofa in our living room in the handwriting. That's the little Chick-fil-A is my dad. And it's been tweaked and made a little bolder and a little small change here or there, but it survived since 1964 (laughs) to now. He taught me uh, how to use language. He was uh, incredible with words. He was a phenomenal storyteller and he never, ever judged anyone and would give everything he had at any moment to everybody. And he was just an incredible, incredible genius of a guy. And, you know, he called me ace. And um, until that time in the uh, doubles championship and the regionals to win to go to state, I double faulted about 12 times in one match. And then he said, I don't know if I'm going to call you ace anymore. I might call you double fault from here on
0: out.
1: But he was such a good dad to my sister and me. And he taught me, Jenny, how to be an original, you know, and anything I've ever done that even remotely looked creative, I, I got that from growing up around him.
0: That is so dear. And do you feel like you had to recover a lot from parts that were hard? Because I feel like everybody does.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I talk, you know, everybody's relationship with their dad's at a different spot and some were so painful. Comparatively, I would say mine was amazing. And I always, like you said, felt safe with my dad, um, except, you know, when I was a little kid and there were no seat belts in the cars back then and he'd be driving oh, yeah. 100 miles an hour somewhere. I wasn't so safe, but <laughs> I, I felt safe with my dad and he tried to bless me. And now I even feel better about it. But you know, on the front end, I remember telling my dad on a Sunday afternoon that um that the Lord was calling me to preach. This, this, how do you say that to your dad? Yeah, who I read isn't that. Yeah. A, a Jesus follower, really. And the last thing he wants right. to tell all his poker buddies is his kid's <laughs> right. gonna be a Baptist preacher. So I tell him awkwardly in the kitchen and I tell him I'm gonna go down at church on Sunday night and I'm gonna make it a big thing in front of the whole church. I've been praying about it with my pastor for two weeks. And tonight's gonna be the night. And I say, Dad, I'd love for you to come.
0: Wait, how old are you, Louie?
1: I'm a freshman in college.
0: I'm really glad you did that, by the way. And I'm glad he, God did that. <laughs> he
1: looks at me and he has this, you know, he says, Well, that's great. But you know, what he really was saying was all over his face, like, oh my word, are you kidding me? This is going to be our life. Um well he didn't come that night. And that did sting. You know, it wasn't him trying to hurt me. He wasn't trying to stick me by not coming. And I probably could have let him know a lot earlier and we could have worked it out. But we just did not have that common ground. And I was growing in my faith like wildfire in this season. And it it was creating a little bit of a gap for us. But my dad gets disabled uh, not long after that. Some time has gone by and Charles Stanley has invited me or asked me to come and preach at First Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, on Father's Day. You know, less. Wow! And I preach this message, uh, some version of this message. You know, I'm 20 something years old, and I'm preaching about A. D. W. Tozer and right. about seeing God as a perfect Father. And my dad came. My dad's in his wheelchair. He's with my mom. It's the first time he's been back in church, and maybe the first time she's been back in church in years because she's been taking care of my dad 24 hours a day. And they're sitting over here under the balcony on this side. And I'm nervous anyway. I'm preaching for Charles Stanley. And I don't uh, I don't even look over there. I just preach my message. It's
0: too I much. Get yeah. to, I come
1: off the platform and everybody's around my mom because she was a saint and loved in our church. So everybody's around my mom. They're all saying hi to her. My dad's kind of at the end of the pew. And, and he looks great. My mom's got him all decked out. He's got a great looking sport jacket on and he is a sharp guy anyway. And so I walk over there and I can't get to her, but I can make a straight shot to him and I reach out and shake hands and I try, I start to say, thanks so much for coming. And I just can't, the words sure. just get right about <laughs> here. And I'm like, mm, uh, and I almost lose it. And, um, I can finally kind of regroup, and I I say, Dad, thanks so much for coming today. And he goes, Ace, are you kidding me? That was the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And my dad never, um, my dad did not throw away comments. Right. Uh, my dad told you what he thought in a very kind and authentic way all the time. He he was not saying that to make me feel better. He genuinely thought it was the best thing he'd ever heard in his whole life, and I only had a few years after that with my dad. But that just unlocked something, Jenny, and it healed a lot. It restored a lot. It just put me in a new space with him, and I still f- carry that to this day. If, if I'm preaching uh, Sunday. I know my dad's proud of me and I know my dad is proud of the way that God has gifted me and I know as somebody who really respects communication and language and word choice and storytelling I know that he'd be uh he'd be proud and is proud so praise God for that redemption and I know a lot of people don't get that and a lot of people don't don't get that opportunity but I'm so grateful uh, to have little, a few little moments like that in life where it really did bring the blessing with a lot more force.
0: I want you to lift up above your life, and I, and I know I've talked to Shelly about this, that God did not have it in the plan for you to be a physical, biological father to a child on earth, and yet you have fathered so many people, so many people, Louie. I mean, heaven will be so fun for you. Do you see that? Do you take do you truly take that in? I know you've heard it said about yourself, but do you do you absorb that ever?
1: Well, that is, you know, that's the first time anyone's ever asked me that question. That's a really great question. So I'm gonna think about it just for a second. You know, Jenny, it's interesting. Um, man, I, I really want to make sure I this comes out right. I think when you are in a position that you're in, in some cases the position that I'm in, God has given us uh by his grace a lot of influence. And so when people say, you know, um, you have a lot of sons out there, you have a lot of daughters out there, or when people say anything in that sphere, I really try to just move on. (laughs) I get that. And just say, that's great. If I get to heaven and there's a lot of sons up there, I will be the happiest guy on earth because my goal is just to make it to heaven. Not that I don't know that I'm saved. You understand what I'm saying? I just want to. Be a humble servant of God. Right. I want to keep showing up faithfully and trusting Him through the highs and the lows. I, I don't I don't know. I guess I'm not, it's not in my um makeup to to have thoughts going, wow, I am really making an impact on a lot of people's lives. I try to just go home and go, Lord, thank you for choosing me and thank you for using me again today. Um by your grace i pray that you'll be able to use me again tomorrow and as i talk about a lot try to just take the side door out get in my car go home so i'm not trying to take the joy out of what you were saying at all please understand well, let that. me twi-
0: let me just let me take a little different angle <laughs> at it okay when i watched you give that fatherhood message i remember it so vividly i know where i was standing i felt in the room the holy spirit moving to those kids in a unique way. And what I saw was the position of a man being the father, a visual representation of the father to many, to a generation that didn't have dads, largely. So many, the numbers were astounding. You, you quoted them at the beginning of the talk. And so maybe it is just that that is how you have lived. Like you have treated them as a good father would treat them and you have seen them and you have fought for them and you have cared for them with compassion and with your whole life's calling in a way that a good father would so i don't yeah, know that's a good say-
1: way to that's a good way to come around it and i think that in that way jenny i do feel that because um you know when when i went to grad school at baylor shelly had one more year in school there and that's really why the lord led me to grad school at baylor Neither one of us saw a choice Bible study happening. It just was not in the plans. But all of a sudden, 10 years later, we're living and leading college students, which through my dad's death, God sprung sprung us into passion. And now, whatever, it's 35 years later, we've been loving 18 to 25-year-olds. And we're not the only people who've ever done that, obviously. I mean, there have been amazing student movements through the history of the world and America. But it does shock them, I think, when we keep showing up and saying, we love you and we value you. And yes, we could have blown this conference open and invited everybody in the world. And it probably been a lot easier, honestly, to fill a stadium if we invited everyone on the planet to come and not just 18 to 25 year olds. But I think when we do that, Jenny, it's doing what you're seeing. It's saying to them, they really do value us and believe in us and they're pouring out their life for us. And they see us, not just see us like, Hey, we see you, but they see us knowing that we're the hope of the world. And I, I remember I went uh, to the pastor of the church across the street from campus where we started meeting um, as choice Bible study, big, beautiful church. It was empty. Most of the time thousand 1500 seats, I don't remember. And I was meeting with the pastor to see if we could have our Bible study there. He said, well, you know, we we don't have a college ministry here. And I was like, what? I was like, like, literally across the street from a college. And he said, yeah, no, we just don't believe in it. He goes, you know, they're flighty. They're noncommittal. They don't give.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And they don't serve. And so we just aren't gonna invest in that. And I'm not knocking this guy at all. God bless him. Um, I don't remember even exactly who it was, but God bless him. But I remember walking out of there, Jenny, and being so determined from that conversation to go, you know what? I bet they would give if they were challenged. Um, I guarantee you they would serve if someone invited them into something meaningful. Um, They are a little flighty because I had already been around Baylor enough to know that some some seasons, this is the church that everybody sure. goes to. And some other seasons, this, this is a church. So I understood. But that's human nature. That's not really college students. That's everybody. And I just thought, well, here's one thing that you didn't mention about them. They're all going somewhere. They're going to become ambassadors, politicians, mothers, family builders, financiers, and on and on and on and on. And if we can invest in them, this is the part I don't talk about very much. If we can pour into them the heart and the glory of Jesus, they are going to carry that for free. To the ends of the earth. And so the exportation of our efforts is going to be exponential on levels that no one will be able to process and I won't have to pay a penny for it. (laughs) So yes, we're sacrificing to serve them, but then they are going and serving Jesus everywhere on planet earth. And man, what kind of a return on your life's investment is that? So it's a pretty powerful opportunity, but yes, it does communicate something to them. Charles Stanley went to heaven a few uh, weeks ago and he was an amazing mentor in my life. And he was uh, 90, I should know this, 96 years old, I want to say. He Um, looked good. (laughs) Yes. He did a book tour a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago. He'd written another book and he did a Barnes and Noble book tour, which is not easy to do. I couldn't do a Barnes and Noble book tour. It'd be me and me uh, (laughs) sitting in there just, you know, trying to look busy. And so he did New York, San Francisco, Chicago. This is before pandemic when cities were still a thing. And he did 15, 20 major cities. And the guy that runs his organization was telling me this story. He said everywhere they went, they would measure out how long he could sign books, three hours. They knew pretty much to the person how many people he could sign a book for in three hours. And that's how many people they would let stand in line starting sometimes the night before. So it can only be 1,800 people in line. It can only be 2,400 people in line in San Francisco to get a book signed by Charles Stanley, who at the time would have been in his 80s. And the guy said to me, the thing that blew us away, Louis, were how many 20-year-old guys were in the line. And I was like, wow. And Jenny, here's the thing. We used to say guys are looking for fathers, but guys aren't looking for fathers anymore. Because all the fathers are not coming through. Guys are looking for grandfathers now.
0: Mm -hmm. They're looking for
1: people who are almost ready to step into heaven, who are still carrying the fire of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And he was a father like that. And I'm grateful that we have some of those around
0: as we go i i just love when you tell stories and i've been blessed to hear some of them so talk about just something in the last few years where you've met with one kid and that kid just was hungry like talk a story tell me a story about the one kid just somebody that comes to mind
1: which one comes to your mind first
0: i think of the one i mean it's a little heavy for this but The suicide one, and you were praying, and the letter that was written in the drawer at home, right? That was wild. But anyway, I know there's a lot. Yeah,
1: you know, there's a lot of those. That you know, I never met that person, uh, but that was uh, kind of a prophetic moment. You know, I was talking to Carrie and Cody about it. Uh, We we saw them the other day, and they were leading worship at the end of a talk I gave. And as they were leading, I just in my heart had this picture of this girl, and uh, since the Lord was just telling me, you got to reach out to her. She's got a plan. She's already like made out a plan to end her life. It's written in her journal in her drawer in her room. And I know that sounds kind of weird to some people, um, but that's just what I sensed in my heart, that clear. And so I'm a very careful in the way that I, you know, move forward in something like that, because it's all about this book right here. People right. need to hear the truth and the gospel, and they don't need to hear what, you know, what people feel and think. But I just kind of got their attention stepped up, and um, I said, I really feel like the Lord wants to reach for somebody right now. And I didn't say anything more specific in terms of describing the person. I just said, but there's somebody in this room right now, and you're going to leave this youth conference. This was the last night of a several-day youth event. You're going to go home and fulfill the plan that you have already carefully made to end your life. You've written a goodbye letter to your family. It is in your journal right now. I didn't say it was in the drawer in the desk. I said, it's in your journal. You have written it out and God is reaching for you. And I started quoting that Psalm that I love. I will live and not die and and declare what the Lord has done. Mm. We need to speak this over this generation. I speak it over any teenager, any middle schooler, any college student listening right now. I will live and not die. And I will tell what the Lord has done. And I said, and whoever you are, we're going to pray for you in Jesus' name. Um, can you just lift your hand? Because everybody's already standing, maybe 1,500, 2,000 people. I don't remember how many people were there. And Jenny, I'm not kidding, 250 hands went up. <sighs> and I said, hmm. okay, oh. please put your hands back down. I'm not praying today for somebody that's sad, someone that is depressed. Someone that has anxiety. I'm reaching. God is reaching for someone. You have made a plan, but God is gonna end that plan tonight and give life. That's who we're praying for. So just wanna be completely clear. So if that's you. Could you just raise your hand? The 250 hands went back up.
0: Oh, Louie.
1: And it it must have been more people because it was a lot of hands. So let's don't get tripped up on the numbers. Maybe there were 5,000 people there and I don't know. But there were
0: way too many hands.
1: Way hands. And we we prayed. I really believe God smashed some things in that moment. And Carrie and Cody led again. We went to the end, Jenny, uh, to the back. And the guy who was leading uh, the thing at this big church in Colorado where we were, he said, uh, did you plan on doing that ministry moment? Yeah. I said, no, I don't know where that came from. The Lord just put that in my heart. Did you feel okay about it? Did, it's okay. And he said, Louie, do you know that you're standing in the county, the zip code in America with the highest teen suicide rate? You're standing in it right now. I was like, didn't oh. know. But then Jenny, and I don't, I don't I'll say this loosely. I went home later, posted a thing. I think it was a picture of Carrie and Cody leading. and just said it was great being at this event. Da-da-da-da-da. Got, you know, 26 comments. I am not don't have quite the solid following you do. And um, I'm looking through my 26 comments. And one of them is this student. And she says, thank you for tonight. I'd already made the plan and written in my journal, wow. my story but God turned my story around tonight and I'm going to live and not die and declare what the Lord has done. And, you know, I just hesitatingly just kind of clicked on the profile and it was her.
0: Mm, That
1: was her. And I could have told you what she looked like. And, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. And that's not necessarily what we stake our faith on, but what it says Jenny is that God sees people in detail (laughs) and in specific and I just love being in moments like that with him just to know that um he cares he cares about every story and there's a whole bunch of those I just I could tell about 50 of them right now but praise god that you and I both and you particularly I mean you and If gathering and you know I don't know what it is now but millions of people are linking in together and the wave of that is so powerful and so strong. And I don't know anyone, you know, following the Lord right now that you don't make some kind of an impact on their life through your writing, your preaching and all that's great. But man, it's so good when we just are human, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and you are sitting next to another human being. Yeah. And it's not that you're the this and they're the that. It's just that we're just two people sitting here and you get to share a story and you get to hear the way that God is moving, and the way he's transforming, changing lives. Man, there's nothing I'd rather be a part of in the whole world than that.
0: Well, and I just had this picture of God loving through you, God seeing her through you. And I know it isn't ever about us, but how fun that we get to be a part of it, right? Like how fun we get to be a part of these stories. And and I just I just think of the person out there that—I mean, of course right now I'm thinking of the person out there that relates to that story— that is hearing that and saying, I feel so invisible. I have wounds that date back to my childhood where I was not seen, where I was not cared for, possibly worse. I was abused. I was taken advantage of. And so I today, I would just love for you to close in prayer for that person and also just for the person that wants to see God in the way that you write about, that, that wants to see God in the way you see God, and they don't know why they can't, but they want to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Lord, thank you for just your willingness to be in the story with us. And I thank you for people today that are really longing deep down. They're listening to Jenny and I right now, and more than anything else, they're like, man, I want to know God like that. I I just somehow pray, Lord, that you break in to their thinking today to just let them know that that's the same thing you're thinking. You want to know them like that. And you've been pursuing them, and closer than they can even imagine all the days of their life. And Lord, it's hard. We've all been through a lot, and some people listening to us right now have been through the worst. Mm. But God, you understand all that, and I pray today that you would just open their eyes, anyone listening to us right now, and open our eyes again today to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is a real place where your son went through the worst Because you are a good father. What kind of father would let his son go through what you let your son go through, except a father who would do anything to make a way to forgive us of sin and to heal us of our wounds? Thank you that it's true today that by his wounds, we Mm. are healed. That's because you are a good father. And you know what it is to watch your son suffer and die. That's how I know I can trust you today. And that's how anybody listening to us knows that they can trust you today. And that's how we can all believe today that you can take the worst things on earth and still bring something good from that soil. So I pray today that everyone listening to us could hear these words, God, gave his best for you. He loves you that much that he gave his best for you. Call on him. Just call out to him. God, show me who you are. Call out to him. God, I need a father. I need a blessing. Call out to him and then get in this word and listen to what he's saying about you and what he's saying to you. Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will allow people today to see that you're not just a bigger version of their earthly dad, that you are the perfect version they've always longed for. And I pray this in Jesus' name,
0: amen. Well, guys, it is always our joy to have Louis on the podcast, and we want to make sure that you know about his recently re-released book called "Seeing God as a Perfect Father and Seeing You as Loved, Pursued, and Secure." And we know that you guys won't want to miss that. I will put the link to the book in the show notes. Go follow Louis on social media, y'all. He uh, is leading a generation of young adults and churches across multiple cities in the country. And we know that he will encourage you, challenge you and equip you. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made For This podcast.